Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome to Revive the Drive. I'm Kevin Souter. I'm the pastor at Newcastle Bible Church, and I'm here today with Rich Burkle, the pastor at Bethany Baptist Church. Hi, Rich. Hi, Kevin. It's great to be with you. Oh, it's great to be with you. And, and your brother Scott is here, too. Scott Burkle mm. from East White Oak. Glad to be here, Kevin. Oh, Scott. And Kendall Kaufman from Lexington Community Church. Welcome, Kendall. Yes, thank you. It's great to be talking about the Reformation today. Here we are. We are talking about the Reformation, and today our topic is the five solas of the Reformation. And that's a Latin word, that sola. It's it's Latin for only or alone. So it's it's referring to five key statements that summarize the theological convictions of the Reformers. And so what I'd like to do in this conversation is really just kind of overview each of these five solas that summarize the Reformation, by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, all based on the Scriptures alone. So let's start first with our understanding of Scriptures alone. So the um, uh, what what does it mean? What was the key meaning behind uh the scriptures alone in the Reformation, and how is that different from the teaching of the church at the day? Yeah, so one uh, thing that we need to say at the outset is this word alone Mm -hmm. is really important for all five of them. Uh, What it does, the word alone uh, says what's not true as well as what is true. Uh, The alternative to alone is and, the scripture and. And that was how the Catholic Church at the time had answered the question, where is our authority? Our authority is in the Scripture and tradition, reason, the Pope, and what was called the magisterium, the combined reasonings of popes and councils. And so once you take a loan out of it and you put the word and into it, you really end up losing the Scripture. And that was what Mm. had happened. You lot, they lost the Scripture because the Scripture was interpreted in light of tradition, reason, popes, and magisterium, rather than those things be interpreted in the light of Scripture. And so the question wasn't, is there only, uh, do we only look at Scripture and nothing else? Mm. You know, the, the question was, what is our beginning place and what is our final authority? Yes. And the answer was, the Scriptures mm-hmm. alone. Yeah, and and that principle, um, while, while the uh, authorities that are competing with Scripture today, uh, especially within Protestantism, uh, are different from those four that Scott just mentioned, uh, there's always a competition mm-hmm. for, the, for the basis of our, our belief or, or the truth that we hold as precious. Um, from the very beginning uh, of creation, Satan's first attack was on the authority of God's Word. That's right. And Satan wanted to come and say, hey, listen to God's Word. He didn't say, forget God's Word completely. He asked the question, did God really say this? And mm-hmm. but, and then he said, but trust me, this is not what it means. <laughs> um, and in fact, if you eat this fruit, you won't 
die, you'll actually have your eyes open to, to this wonderful knowledge. And so Satan's attack uh, from the beginning of time is upon the word that God gives to us, because the word he gives to us is our means of understanding who he is and how we can respond to him so that we would enter into his life. And and so today, uh, there are still attacks upon this very matter of, is, is the Bible really completely authoritative, and aren't there other sources by which we could learn about life and how to worship? So I'm interested from you guys, what, what are some authorities that you discover in your ministries that compete with the Bible right. that we as Protestants need to continue to apply this, this mm-hmm. exact same truth? Uh, the Bible alone is my source of authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably thing, something I find uh, most frequent is just people's feelings. Their feelings yeah. on an issue uh, come into conflict with the Scripture and how many times the feelings reign supreme and the Scriptures uh, get, get a footstool and— um, Boy, to, to be able to elevate Scripture and God's Word above our feelings, to let the, our feelings be the caboose, not the locomotive, not the driving train. Mm. Oh, boy, even just in our own personal lives, to do that. This is right because God says it's right, whether I feel it's right or not. Mm-hmm. I would add to that that uh, when we face new and changed circumstances, that changes our feelings. And so then we'll change our uh, thinking about, well, I know the Bible says this, but— and right. that's when you've gone away from Scripture alone. As right. soon as you add the word but there, yeah. you've changed it. Yeah, like like you say, if there's some additional authority on the stage of truth that starts to interpret what we hold to be dear and right for us, then the Scripture loses its authority. So sola scriptura is that Latin phrase that, again, summarizes the call of the Reformation to go back to the Word of God as the supreme authority for all that we believe and all that we know about God and all we hold true. Let's go to the second uh, uh, sola, if you will, and that would be faith alone. So sola fide is the Latin term. Uh, someone describe what is what was sola fide all about? What are we talking about with faith alone? And again, how is that different from the church 500 years ago? Yeah, so, so faith alone, of course, is an empty hand looking up to God to provide something that we need and that we don't have and that we don't have access to in ourselves. Mm. Uh, the opposite of that is uh, the hand with uh, some work tool that we can create something for ourselves uh, that we need. Um, so uh, it, it again, it goes back to the beginning of creation where false religion began with Cain mm-hmm. and Cain didn't want to listen to God's call to come to him with an empty hand through a blood sacrifice. And, you know, in that story, it's interesting. People ask the question, why didn't God, why didn't God accept Cain's offering? And I've heard sermons uh, where people say, well, you know, God must, Cain must have gave, gave to God the, the vegetables that were rotten and that, that were, uh, you know, just the kind of produce that he was going to throw away anyway. And I, and I actually believe that's the exact opposite. I think that's what explains his anger. I think Cain brought to God the very, very best of his produce, and he was expecting God to, to say, oh, thanks for 
offering your work to me, I'm finding your work is valuable. You gave so much. Your right. sacrifice was so that, That's the yeah. only thing that explains his anger. I, mm-hmm. You know, if, if if you brought garbage to somebody and they didn't accept mm-hmm. it, you'd say, well, okay, you're not going to be angry at him <laughs> because I understand I gave you some, something pretty, uh, pretty weak anyway. But, you know, from that stage forward, this issue of do we come to God with an empty hand looking to him to provide us with something that's what faith is, mm-hmm. and uh, or do we come to him with with uh, a, a, an instrument of our labor, our work, our manufacturing? It, it comes down to what we're trusting for our salvation, what we're trusting for our forgiveness yeah. of sins, right? And mm-hmm. are we trusting in um, what Christ has done? And we're going to get to that actually is in Christ mm-hmm. alone. Are we trusting in that by faith, or simply something else is my repentance or my obedience or my self reliance? Mm-hmm part of that work. In fact, every religion is based on something we do. Hmm. Christianity is absolutely unique in saying it is nothing that you do. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. I, I, I uh, saw listened to a sermon just last week, and, and he was uh, talking about how uh, other religions are make sacrifices to God and he will accept you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christianity is uh, receive the sacrifice that God has made, and then you can make appropriate sacrifice. Right. <laughs> that, that our means, our sacrifice to God, as we present our bodies to Him as living sacrifice, is not so that God would give us favor. Amen. But it's because God <laughs> has given us favor, which kind of bleeds again into this grace alone, yes. which we're going to talk about. But. All of these do connect to each other in an organic way. We almost yeah. find mm-hmm. it hard to talk about one without starting to talk about one of the other Is that why I'm statements. struggling right yeah. now? Like, right. Why, exactly. why are we struggling? <laughs> yeah. Because they all are so intermixed. So it here's so one true. way in which faith alone becomes really practical. Um, so how can I know that I'm right with God? Because if, my, if, my, if I'm being made right with God by something that I do, mm. have I done enough? Right. That was the question that plagued Luther. Mm-hmm. I, can I ever do enough? I can't. I cannot be assured that I am truly right with God. But if salvation comes by faith alone, I'm trusting him. Yep. Yes. You know, I would be plagued when I was a little boy. Am I right with God? I'd hear a convicting sermon. Mm. And I'd go home and I'd say to my dad, Dad, am I saved? And he would go through the same thing with me. And we went through it several times because I got convicted a lot at, pre- <laughs> at the preaching of the word. And he would say, do you know that you're a sinner? I say, yes. Are, do you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? He was buried and he rose from the dead. I say, yes. Do you believe that what he did at the cross forgives you of your sin? I said, yes. And he says, then you are saved. And I felt so assured by that little kind of catechism right. that I went through with my father whenever I felt the convi- uh, the assurance of salvation is by faith yeah. alone. Amen. Yeah. And that that is a big difference from what the church was teaching back mm-hmm. in Martin Luther's day. Uh, my uh, wife's dad uh, was uh, is from a ethnic family, Macedonian, and and they're they're very strongly Eastern Orthodox. And uh, he was in the United States Army just prior to the Vietnam War, and he was a college student, and uh, he knew that he could go be sent to Vietnam and he could die. And uh, so he was very, very concerned for his soul. And uh, so he went to his priest. Hmm. He says, okay, I'm, I'm about ready to be sent to Vietnam. I want my soul to be ready 
how can I know? Hmm. And and the priest says, well, make sure that if you ever in that situation that you have a priest perform last rites and hear your last confession. Hmm. And he says, well, what if I'm in a battlefield and I don't have a priest? And, and, and his priest just shrugged his shoulders. Let's hope for the best. Hmm. Because it was hmm. not faith alone. It was something that he hmm. was to do hmm. in order to connect. And that's why there is no assurance in a works-oriented mm-hmm. system. There's always more to do. There's yeah. always something else. Even on the battlefield, I need to have one yeah. more thing to have hmm. accomplished. Wow. And even then, there's not assurance. So Martin Luther said, when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this. I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? Hmm. For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and where he is, there I shall be also. Amen. And that's what your father-in-law should have heard. Yep. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thankfully, my father-in-law eventually did hear that later in his life, yes. and he joyfully received the gospel by faith. But, but he, at that moment, that's when he turned away from the church at least the Eastern Orthodox Church, because he realized a church that cannot bring confidence to me as I'm searching for it at a time of death is, is not a church that, that really has anything to offer. It's, it's not a church of the true gospel. It's, it's, that's yeah. right. So that's amazing grace, and that leads us into the next one. So uh, sola gratia. So by grace alone, we are saved. Salvation is a gift of God. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the this the importance of salvation being by grace alone. What was it? Would the Catholic Church 500 years ago have said it wasn't by grace alone? What What was different then than uh, after the Reformers uh, taught and, and preached and had their impact? Yeah. So here it, uh, I need to correct a modern misunderstanding of grace, hmm. that somehow people think of grace as God just gives people a pass. Mm. That when yes. when we sin, yeah. it's just, well, God just says, eh, that's okay. That is not true, and the Catholic Church taught it correctly that that's not true, okay? The question was, how is it that you are saved by grace? And what they taught was what's called infused grace, that somehow by our efforts and doing penance and the things that we do, we get that treasury of merit from the Church infused to us. What the Reformers understood uh, from the Scriptures was that it's not an infused grace, it's an imputed grace. Mm-hmm. And that word imputed means that God's righteousness, uh, that Christ's righteousness is now ours because it cost Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. The and, holiness of God yep. is satisfied by Christ's right. sacrifice. That's right. And and I again, I think all these are are found right away in the revelation that God gives about himself. So we go back to Genesis 3, yeah. and we see Adam and Eve trying to cover themselves with fig leaves. And the problem with a fig leaf is it dries up the next day, <laughs> and now you're uncovered again. I always wonder what the problem with the fig leaf. <laughs> That's one That's of the, the problems. only problems. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> but but then you know God did something amazing. He sacrificed an animal, hmm. and he covered Adam and Eve with an animal skin. And imagine this again. Th- we're used to animals dying in order for us to eat. And just part of our fallen creation. This is brand new. Adam and Eve had never seen a bloody carcass. Hmm. And, you know, the story doesn't tell us whether they were set 
in front of that bloody carcass with blood all over the place. Uh, I kind of tend to think that they did see that, mm-hmm. uh, but that's just imagination. But what we do know is they knew that this animal that Adam had named, you know, he cared mm-hmm. for these animals. He was given supervision over them. That Adam had named, this animal was killed because they had sinned mm-hmm. and they needed a covering. And and that gracious act of God was not something that uh, he participated in. God didn't tell him, you go catch an animal and kill it. Right. Uh, God provided this sacrifice. And then, you know, you jump into Abram, God's going to, with Isaac, God's going to provide a, a sacrifice. And God did. Um, and then, of course, all the Old Testament sacrificial system uh, pointing to Christ Jesus, who would make uh, the sacrifice that was complete and perfect and sufficient. Mm-hmm. But to, to Scott's point, grace is not just God's nice sentiment. Mm-hmm to want to accept us and to forgive us. Grace is God's action uh, from beginning all the way to the end of it in its fullness and completion, and that's found in Christ, which causes us to think about Christ alone. Christ alone. Tell, but, tell us about that's grace. sola Christos. So here's Christ alone. It's, it's based on the revelation and authority of the Scripture alone. It is all through faith. Our salvation is through faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, it is in Christ is our hope. Tell us, tell us more about how that was so different from the teaching of the Church of the day. Yeah, I've got this picture of Martin Luther. You know, when he was struggling uh, to earn earn heaven, earn salvation, he he goes up these flight of stairs that somehow had magically been transported from Jerusalem to Rome. But he he travels there to to earn this, to win it, and he kisses every step, hmm. you know, crawling on his hands and knees to the top, 100 stairs, he gets to the top. And um, and it was said of Luther, if any monk could have earned salvation, it, it was him. I mean, with all that he did in his works, but he found them to be rubbish, like the Apostle Paul, right, in Philippians hmm. chapter 3. I count all these things as loss for the sake of knowing Christ, the, right. the, the power of his resurrection. So there's, there's nothing. I love that hand, the visual hand uh, picture that was mentioned earlier, but just nothing in our hand we bring, only to the cross we cling. Christ is it, and he is all of it. Mm-hmm. It's all we need. We cannot bring something of our own. He's the answer to the who question. Hmm. Who is it that saves? Yes. Jesus Christ saves. And this immediately, when we say the word alone, again, it tells us what's not true as well as what is. It's not Christ and and that was the answer that the Catholic Church gave, Christ and. And today, we have people that want to challenge the idea of how dare you say that Jesus Christ is the only way mm-hmm. to be right with God. Right, right. Um, and their debate isn't really with me. Their debate is with the Scriptures and with Jesus Christ himself, who said he's the way, the truth, yeah. and the life. Uh, but this idea of Christ alone does, even though our culture may be allergic to exclusivity, Jesus, as Lord of creation, makes the claim, I am the way to God. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, there's a couple of uh, poems, I guess, one's a hymn, and, and Kendall, you brought in one hymn, but uh, that hymn, My Hope is Built, and a hope is our, our, our certainty of a future, a joyful yes. expectation of future. My mm-hmm. hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So it's his atoning sacrifice. It's his absolute obedience to the Father. That's where mm-hmm. our hope is built. I, and he says, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And, you know, our, our hymns rejoice in these trees because they're so precious. We can't trust. Take, you know, whatever snapshot 
of our lives, the very best snapshot, the, the time when we're at our finest, most loving, most pure, most holy, most righteous. You take that snapshot, and, and the hymn says, and rightly so, I, I dare not trust in even that. If that represented what every moment of every day of my life was, I dare not trust in right. that because That's it's right. insufficient. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, you know, the other little little poem says, do this and live uh, the law demands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Mm-hmm. A better word the gospel brings, it bids us fly and gives us wings. Amen. And that's, Amen. that's the grace of God. Yeah. Right? Amen. Christ. The flesh profiteth nothing, you know, the scripture says. Mm-hmm. And so what this brings us to is the last sola that summarizes the theological convictions of the Reformation for the glory of God alone. If it's not based That's on right. us, yeah. then all glory and praise right. and honor be to who? It can't That's be to right. us. There's our right. flesh profits nothing. For from him and through him and <laughs> to, to him are all things. Oh, right. man, to, to God the glory of God Amen. alone. Now, now, this is interesting. Why was that so different from the church of the day? What Was it not? Would, would the priest have not said that it was for the glory of God? So the issue wasn't what they would have said. It's whether they were living it. And that's yeah. kind of true for us too, isn't it? It is. It's uh, so when, before Luther actually ended up becoming born again, as an Augustinian monk, he had visited Rome. He was horrified by the immorality that was around him. But all those people were saying that they were doing things for the glory of God. Mm. It, in fact, it was not, but but it they would they would make that claim. Um, so that does bring conviction to our own hearts. You know, is it about me, or is it about God? Hmm. And the more I question why about God's purposes, the less I am recognizing it's for His glory. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to live for the glory of God requires that humility and complete surrender and submission. Well, that's been a very brief overview of the five solas of the Reformation, but it's a thrilling overview. I I pray our listeners will have their hearts singing with us as we've just enjoyed this conversation, rejoicing in the goodness of the gospel that God has done for us, all by His grace, all by His for His glory uh, alone. So. Thanks for listening, and we pray a blessing upon your day. 